From the Haunted Attraction Network, I'm Philip, and this is a bonus episode of our weekly segment of Green Tagged Theme Park in 30. We typically air Green Tagged every Monday, and Green Tagged is our weekly commentary show where we break down the news and discuss why it matters to your haunt. Of course, we're still airing Green Tagged episodes, but since our Hauntathon is currently happening, this is going to be treated as a bonus episode. Check your feed for today's regular Hauntathon episode. Anyway, here is Scott Swenson and I with this week's installment of Green Tagged Theme Park in 30. From our studios in various locations around the state of Florida, this is Green Tag Theme Park in 30. I'm Philip. He's Scott. And Scott, happy two-year anniversary of recording this show. I know. Here we are. Here we are in our uh, finishing our second year. Hard to believe. It's hard to believe. And, and you know, it's interesting because, <coughs> excuse me, when we uh, when we first set out to do this, we decided, you know, here's we wanted to do a show that we felt was unlike anything else that was out there. And, and I think we've been pretty true to our, pretty true to our intent. You know, we didn't want to report about what was happening. We wanted to report about why it's happening and, and to help everybody, you know, sort of prepare for, uh, you know, the trends and prepare for where we were going. And of course we started in the midst of a pandemic. And, uh, so that was kind of one of those situations where it was helpful and useful information. But I don't know about you, but what what's interesting to me is I've actually dug in a little bit deeper and discovered this is something that is good for us all the time. You know, mm-hmm. we should always be prepping to look forward. Um, when we first started, when we first started, I was just completing my certificate program on um, on uh, uh, my crisis my leadership certificate. Yeah. yeah, my crisis management certificate, and uh, and it was always like in order to to, to you, instead of trying to get prepared, you should always stay prepared. And mm-hmm. so I think this is a good. A good learning from that, and I and I'm hoping that people are still continuing to get stuff uh, from our shows that will continue to help them looking forward. And uh, so, hopefully, the next whatever um, isn't going to isn't going to hurt them as much. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I'm I'm just thrilled that you know you and I get together every week and and get a chance to sit down and chat about an industry that we are both not only intimately involved in but also uh, truly care about and has has provided us with. Um, not only a livelihood, but also a great deal of fun. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I hopefully, I, hopefully, yeah. all of you listening enjoy it too. So, oh, I agree. And it, it, kind of in celebration of our our two year and looking back and reflecting, the theme for today is earlier. And today is more of a themed episode where we're going to talk a little bit, some news, but as usual, we're going to work the news into larger, as Scott just said, larger whys and the larger. Uh, discussion points about it. So a little bit different. We're not going to be doing as many news stories, a little bit more free-range discussion. And uh, the first one, which is probably maybe like our only like quote-unquote news story, but really it's just that... that We got to talk about it. We got to talk about it, yes. Um, That Lost Island theme park, which we praised when they first opened because of their dedication to theme and storytelling. They had to close early. (laughs) They closed their season early. It sounds to me like there are two main reasons. One was a lack of attendance and the other was staffing issues. Again, things that we have talked about uh, ad nauseum. Um, It is unfortunate, you know, as I recall, and it's funny, I I phrase it that way because when we do shows and and I know what we've talked about, I just don't always remember exactly what we said about certain things because again, (laughs) industry is constantly changing and we're constantly changing our perspective on it. But um, I think we voiced the concern early on that Waterloo, Iowa is not the ideal place 
to yeah. do a heavily themed theme park. And we had we kept saying throughout the the initial reporting, boy, I hope they do well. Um, I I love the fact that they tell great stories. I mean, they've even created their own language um, and their own uh, not only spoken language but also written language um, that is only spoken on one of these lost islands. So that commitment to theming, of course, is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, I don't think that's the reason that they had to close early. I think, yeah. as as Philip said, I think it's a challenge with staffing and attendance. So people have to get to Waterloo, Iowa, which if you fly. There's still an hour drive, at least, from the mm -hmm. airport, if not mm -hmm. more. Um, and, you know, so it, it it was one of those, it looked really good on paper, I'm guessing, because they could get lots of land for not a ton of money. But there's a reason for that. And that's because it was very difficult for people to get to. Um, I'm hoping that this will <clears throat> draw some additional attention to what they're trying to do so that more and more people will will seek it out and find it and 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 enjoy it because they are not at least at this point they're not saying that the park is closed what they're saying is they're ending their season early and yeah. um, in fact when you go to their website the the landing page actually says thank you for a great season we'll see you in tw in 2023 so um they're trying to position it as though they're mm -hmm. just closing early i'm I hope that's the case. You know, we will we will continue to 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 follow this little theme park that could we hope. Um, but you know, I, the way I look at it is, I'm I'm having trouble staffing things in major metropolitan areas, so I can just imagine what the staffing issues are in in Waterloo, Iowa. Now, granted, Waterloo, I don't want to make it sound like Waterloo is out in the middle of you know, there's cornfields and and yeah, this theme park. Yeah. Um, there is more to Waterloo than that, but. Um, it is not a tourist mecca. Let's put it that way. Uh, it ain't Orlando, so uh, and yeah. and that could be that could be a, an advantage too. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, I think that I think the staffing is the is the biggest issue here. And yeah. uh, you know, they some of the numbers that they reported were were pretty uh, pretty rough. Yeah. Um, but so it would have like made for an a average great of day. Hundred people, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they said 250 to 700, uh, so that yeah. and th with an average of three, like you said, Philip, and uh, so you know that's that's almost like a private party, um, truly. Yeah. So what I'm hoping is <clears throat> that those really low numbers of people thoroughly enjoyed themselves, recognized what the park was trying to do, so that when it comes back next season, that they will recognize, you know, what we got to really support them, um, otherwise this kind of stuff is going to go away. Yeah. I think, uh, I, I do think that it, it you know, I, I, there's no reason to believe they're not going to come back. I mean, that's what the park says they're coming back. Uh, I think that, again, when we look at all the things we've been talking about on the show, I think that it was just an unfortunate timing because we've talked about a lot about how there was a demand surge, you know, after, of course, after the pandemic, et cetera, especially for this type of summer. Yes, this was like the summer of record kind of a thing. But as we've talked about, you know, there's a recession, there's supply chain issues, there's staffing issues, there's even so even though there's increased demand, there's just a lot of factors at play. And I, I just don't think it's a normal season. So I, I think I hope they do come back. I think that they will. Um, if their plan is to develop in, into a destination, it's going to take time, you don't build a destination mm -hmm. overnight, and mm -hmm. you need the infrastructure for it. And mm -hmm. also as as we'll get into in just in our, our next kind of section, you know, there are some things that people will even when there's recession, even when there's their income is shrinking or their disposable income is shrinking, there's some things people will always make 
make make room for. And I'm not sure that traveling to a new theme park in Waterloo is one of those things. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, and I think in order, you know, we were talking, we've uh, we've talked a lot, and you just you just mentioned it. Um, this is the summer of of record breaking attendance at certain places, but it's the sense of coming back, not the yeah. not, not the sense of discovering something new. So I think there is where timing worked against them. Uh, yes, yeah. there was a great deal of demand to go out and experience things and get out of the house um, and engage in the real world. But the majority of that was focused on, let's go back and do this again because it was so much fun and we haven't done it in a long time. So mm -hmm. taking taking that, that first leap, the, most people have taken that first leap to go someplace that they loved. Um, and whether that is a park or a specific event, um, that's, that's kind, it appears to be kind of the, the trend here. Um, certainly in the case of the, the lost Island. Yeah. That is an excellent segue into maybe like the next section, which is kind of discussing the, of course, the opening of Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Orlando. That's why I am in Florida. I went out to the media night, which was the first day, September 2nd, that Friday opening, um, which of course is crazy because now, you know, we have this major Halloween events that are opening basically all like two months now. It's a full two months. It's September 2nd through Halloween. That's a full two months of Halloween. And just in terms of logistics here, the opening weekend sold out for the event, which is I kind of feel like that 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 alone sets you know sets your dichotomy. Here you have one that is oh we can't say open due to demand, but then a few weeks later you're st still almost. I mean here it feels still like summer. I mean it is ninety degrees during the day. It's still very much that summer weather, and we are sold out of opening weekend. And kind of like A to Z, there was kind of demand. I mean this is the parks are packed. You know it was a ninety plus almost two hundred and forty minute wait for the weekend. You know, like when we're talking completely packed and they stopped selling frequent fear passes because the they were sold out for this weekend. So they had to put a pause on the multiple night tickets. No matter, you couldn't even get express multiple night, which was, I feel like there were some things in there where, you know, that could have been a ticketing error because I'm not sure why you would turn around, turn away like $800 for, but everything, the tours were sold out, the express was sold out. I mean, it was just, it's crazy. It was complete insanity this weekend, which is still happening as we record this on Sunday. Tonight is is sold out, and and uh, it's it was crazy. Uh, I know we went yesterday as regular guests, and it took us two hours to get from the uh, the line to get into parking into uh, the park. It was two hours, and it was an hour in line just to get through the parking to pay your parking, you know, and then in. So. It's, it's a thing, <laughs> it's, you know, the, the demand here is very strong. And um, one thing I wanted to bring up, kind of talk a little bit about that I thought was interesting is that we, I went during media night and media night was, you know, kind of its, its own bag of, of crazy for different reasons, of course, because you're, you're working the whole time, but we have been posting walkthroughs of the mazes. And of course I started with the walkthrough of the weekend because that is that was the anchor for this year. And it was, the other thing I'll mention about the weekend is they did a new water show this year called Ghoulish Halloween Tale for their Lagoon show. And they worked the weekend also into that, uh, the, the finisher. So you hear kind of the, the main motif, note motif, music motif 
from that and put into the 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 finale of the Lagoon Show. But you know, when we posted the walkthrough of the weekend, um, there was a lot of of uh, kind of like negative comments, I would say, from from guests. Kind of basically the criticism being that what does the weekend have to do with Halloween? They're not like a horror icon, X Y Z, blah blah blah. Um, and I, it's an interesting point. So it's a valid point, but I think it goes back to something that, again, earlier that we have talked about on the show multiple times. It is like one thing, one of Scott's go-to brainstorming techniques is you can make anything scary. Anything, like life is scary. Everything can be scary. And all you know, all you have to do is just say a thing gone horribly wrong. And I think that's that essentially was what they did with The weekend. The premise of the maze is that the artist, it, the artist gets hooked up to a machine that harvests his nightmares. And so you're seeing the nightmares. So, so the first scene is him in the machine and then with cables and like extracting the nightmares. And I'm like, yes, it's, so it's basically a nightmare gone horribly wrong. That's it. So, and for me, I think that, um, I respect of course, what the feedback from the guests, but I would say since everything is so early now, you know, really it's almost, um, it has to be a little bit more of a general event because it's such a long event, you know? Yeah, and, and I'm not, and yeah. I'm not sure whether I'm, I'm not sure whether it's putting the cart. I, I, I don't know whether it's, I don't know whether it's the, the earliness of the opening that leads to a more general, uh, general or appealing to a more general audience or whether it's appealing to a more general audience that requires us to open the attractions and the events earlier. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not, I'm not sure which is which. Uh, I, I will say, you know, the whole idea of something, something gone horribly, horribly wrong is a great way to create a haunt. Yeah. Um, there's also something to be said for a recognizable intellectual property, you know, right. and, and Horror Nights, especially Universal in general, has always uh, put a great deal of value and <clears throat> gotten a great deal of return from uh, investing in those kinds of intellectual properties. Um, is it, you know, is the weekend traditionally a, or do we think of it instantly as a Halloween property? Um, no, probably not. But if, you know, you can just see them sitting around going, who's, who's a great, a huge artist that has a, a, a huge following that can fall into that slightly creepy, you know, realm. Um, you know, everybody during the, the, the halftime show during the Super Bowl halftime show yeah, yeah. here in Tampa, everybody said, what the heck is that? That's as creepy as all get out. Well, somebody must have seen that and said, hey, wait a minute, we can make it creepier um, and just mm -hmm. ran with it, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I honestly, I think that's great. Like, I think I know we 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 well. It's as we talked about again, as we talked about on the show, it's very difficult for theme parks to experiment and for these big events to experiment and XYZ. But you know what? They set the, I'm sorry, they set the tone for the Halloween industry because because of the guest. Because, you know, we're always looking at the guest expectation when they walk into a haunt event is colored by what's going on in pop culture and what's going on in the wider Halloween sphere. So yes, the release of a Halloween movie, the release of Hocus, Hocus Pocus 2, all these things are gonna impact the guest impression of Halloween because us as haunters, you know, we're in our own little world, right? But our guests are in the regular, you know, the the Muggle world, and they're you know bringing in all of those all those things to it. And I think that this is an experiment in a direction where big events might need to go in. So I think this was someone had to do it. It's kind of like you know, 
Obviously, Universal leads in Halloween the way that Disney leads in some other areas. But someone had to do it. And it's always the person at the front of the pack. You know, this is the biggest Halloween event in the world. It is truly. And if they, they're the only ones that could pull off experimenting with a general IP artist trying to make it a horror thing to see if that will work. Because that will work, then that's a whole opportunity for endless partnerships that they could roll out. And then that also then can trickle down to independent operators. Well, one of the discussions we had years and I mean, even up to 10, 12, even 15 years ago, um, back at, at Bush Gardens in Tampa, is how much how much more over the top, gory, terrifying can we get? What yeah. other direction can we go to make this? Because I mean, ultimately, haunts are supposed to be entertainment. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's, that's exactly. I feel like people forget that. That's the thing. No, they don't have to be scary. We've talked about and, that. Look at Vault of Souls. God. Well, but I will say that the Vault of Souls still has people who are who are absolutely terrified by it because it's different. Mm-hmm. Because it's quiet. It's not jumping out at you. It's it's it gets into your head and it kind of freaks you out. Yes. Um, it's but, but it's how not, scared it is not, depends on the person, right? Correct. Scaring is relative. Correct. correct. But and entertainment so isn't. <laughs> what I'm what I'm seeing. Not just in, um, not just not just in Universal, but you know we reported on 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 Shack, um, yep. the Shack haunt in, out in California at uh, at uh, Queen Mary, mm-hmm. right? That's where it is. Yes, yeah, it's in the Queen Mary's Harbor. So it's not on the boat at all. It's actually in the right. harbor, which is it's in the harbor, but it's it's at the location of the Queen. It's Mary. adjacent to the Queen Mary. Yeah, yeah. So we you know we talked about that and and that's to me even more of a stretch for halloween it's like really oh okay yeah um but if you think about it <coughs> excuse me if you think about it it's a little tricky to you know continuously get gorier and more over Correct. the top i mean eventually there's, there's we're going to have yeah. real human sacrifice in the middle of a haunt <laughs> you know um so so they have to kind of test things and to philip's point you um you won't really know whether it's going to work or not until you try it. And if if something the size of uh, Universal Orlando, Halloween Horror Nights, is willing to try something, then uh, they're trying it on the grandest level possible. There will be a trickle-down appeal. Um, I think uh, I've already, honestly, I've already seen it in events that haven't even opened yet, just based on either the, uh, their uh, preliminary marketing or even... Uh, in some cases, like for example, Hollow Scream at Bush Gardens in Tampa, the the store has opened. So the merchandise mm-hmm. store has opened uh, before the opening of the event itself. And one of the new um, one of the new sweatshirts is pink glitter. Now, back in the day, if we had done pink glitter anything for Hollow Scream, um, we would have been like, "What? This is so off brand." But um, Considering that they are appealing to a broader, or attempting to appeal, I'm assuming to a broader audience or a different audience, I, I think it's I, I think it's okay. It's not yeah. my it's not my personal choice, but I think it's okay. Um, I will also say that there is um, there is something to be said for uh, trying because the same thing doesn't scare everybody you know if Correct. you've heard you've heard that over and over again the same thing doesn't scare everybody the same thing doesn't isn't exactly why everybody wants to go so you know before we before we started to get really down and dirty with Hollow scream to make it scary and and ferocious we tried to make it a party back in the day yep. and that was going up yeah. against that was going up against 
Horror Nights, which was going as as dangerous, quote unquote, as possible. So uh, it it didn't work then, but now maybe it will work. And it, this may also be in response to, um, as Philip said, what's going on in the world. You know, it, mm-hmm. are people? Um, do we have enough dangerous in our real worlds um, okay. that that party is the way that we feel more comfortable going when it comes to to Halloween? Um, definitely a suspension of disbelief. Although what I think is interesting is, um, and I don't know whether this ad is running around the the country, but the Halloween Horror Nights ad, uh, one of the Halloween Horror Nights ads here in Florida is called The Skeptic. And it's this uh, this woman walking through with a friend, and the first thing she says is, I can't believe you get into this stuff. It's That's fake. That's not real. That's fake. She turns the corner, and she runs into Michael Myers. And she all of a sudden thinks that he, for some reason, is magically real. So I, I think that there is, even that has a little bit more tongue-in-cheek um, approach to it. Um, their, other, their other main ad here in Florida is, of course, promoting the weekend and that and that experience. And, uh, it's all about taking selfies in the bathroom. So it's, it's interesting that the, the trend has, has gone to a more broader appeal and more of a party appeal. Yeah. Um, Well, I I do want to give a few more bits to, for the context, because the context mm -hmm. does support what you just said, even though you didn't know (laughs) because you didn't go, but you just, you just got there anyway, Scott, how good you are. Um, so the, the, the queue line for the maze is is really like a a party. I mean, it, it's obviously they knew it was going to be the longest line, and so they they you know they the queue line is very large, and they put up uh, show rigging above the queue line. So the queue line is almost like you're sitting in the middle of show rigging, and his music is playing, and there's projectors, and so the whole it's kind of like you're just you're in, you're at a party. You just you know the line is a party. They've they've made the whole line a party, and I thought that was that was a, a brilliant stroke. Um, I also thought too that the other argument I would make with with that Michael Myers thing and everything you pointed out is that I know maybe to some people it might seem I can't believe I'm defending this in this way, but I know to some people it might seem that it's completely just the IP and kind of without thought. But if you <laughs> take a step back and look at it, it's like what's happening is his nightmares are being brought to life. And that essentially is what's happening in, you know, in some of those commercials too, where, you know, where, where can you believe these things are real or where can they be real in your dreams, in your nightmares, right? And then if you also, if you look at, uh, you know, the pumpkin Lord bringing, so the other anchor to the event is classic Halloween, like a, like retro Halloween. So it's like, and that's my one kind of critique about it is I think that the weekend almost overshadows the pumpkin Lord and the retro Halloween vibe because all their merch, everything, everything else, including the Lagoon show, everything is all retro Halloween. But even then, I think that you can see the theme, like the kind of the, the theme and the motif of nightmares through everything because retro Halloween, you know, it's like, it's that nostalgia of your, the, your childhood nightmares. And that's kind of what's coming out. And then the week, it just it makes complete sense where like, it's like, you can almost imagine that his, as an artist, some of his nightmares were inspiring some of the lyrics in his songs, right? So you can, you can kind of see that and you're going to going into his nightmares. And then of course, in the, 
The other, you know, the, of course, the other critique that people had, of course, they're willing to look the other way with this one, is the Nightmare Fuel, which debuted last year, which I talked about last year on the show. I said it was one of the best theme park shows, stage shows I've ever seen. I still stick to that. They didn't really change anything this year. They, if anything, in every scene where there was fire, they doubled the fire. And I don't think it was, I did not think, if you had asked me if that was po physically possible, I would say no. I will just say that even though everybody's hands were full of fire, they added headpieces so you could double the amount of fire. So there's just, there's everywhere there is possible to put fire, that's fire. But even in that one, it's the same through line. There is a main character, he goes on stage. The whole premise is that he says, every Halloween I'm haunted by these nightmares and it just feels so real. He goes to sleep, he wakes up, you're in his nightmare, the nightmare's coming to life. He dies in his dream, wakes back up, and then the book he was holding as he was reading to go to sleep, he sees singed because I don't know, like so much fire and all his headpieces. The book is singed, right? And then he realizes, oh my God, it might be real. Okay, that through line then carries through to Lagoon Show, then carries through to the weekend. So it, I think in the defense of it, it's really, it is, it does make sense as much as you can really expect for a, a, a event that size to make sense. Well, and, and it's interesting because Having not experienced the event, the, what I'm about to say is 100% on conjecture. <laughs> and it's conjecture based on what I've seen happen in the past at, uh, at Universal and at other parks as well. It, um, my guess is that the weekend was a late addition. My guess is that they had the Pumpkin Lord all set up and ready to go. Mm -hmm. And then the opportunity came for the weekend and they jumped on it and found a way to make it fit. The only reason yeah. I say that is if you think back <clears throat> quite a few years now to uh, Halloween Horror Nights where the the marketing icon was the storyteller. Yep. Um, that was that whole event was a completely different and and unified theme and it was all about the flow of blood. Um and that was <clears throat> excuse me. That was one of those situations where uh, the one of the teams was was working on in that direction. Another team was working on the icon, and the storyteller emerged. So they were then required, um, and for good reason, to incorporate storyteller into whatever else they were doing. But it, uh, the storyteller was force fit into one of the haunts. It was force fit into uh, one of the shows. So it kind of sounds like this is a similar situation, but yeah. it sounds like because they had that experience before, they were much better um, suited to to find a way to make it all work and make it all thematically come together. Yeah, I, I would say your hypothesis. I I don't know for sure. Of course, we both don't know. Yeah, don't but know. I I think that would make a lot of sense if because always, I mean, we talk a lot about follow the money as well. Like how, follow the merch too. There's, I think there's maybe one shirt that is a weekend shirt, but the, the annual pass holder shirt is the Pumpkin Lord, right? The Pumpkin Lord has a coaster, he has a jar, he, I mean, he has all, he has a lot of merch as the Pumpkin Lord, and also all the other merch is Nostalgia Halloween, which all fits mm -hmm. in with Pumpkin, that's his, his domain. So mm -hmm. I would say if you follow the merch, you're like, oh, there's one, <laughs> one shirt for the weekend, and then there is uh, everything else is Pumpkin Lord. Everything. And there's a lot of merch. <laughs> well, and that's because merchandise takes has a longer lead time. You yeah. know, when you're getting merchandise with in those in those numbers, you gotta start designing, ordering, um, if you're going to get them at a price point that you can you can afford to um 
you can afford to not sell because let's face it, it's seasonal. So, you know, merchandise yeah. doesn't always sell. So you have to find a way to, to carry it over. Um, so yeah, I, I, that makes, that makes total sense to me. It does not surprise me in any way, shape or form. Um, but I'm glad that they have been able to find a way, uh, if this is indeed true. And once again, I want to say this hundred percent, this is complete conjecture. We're making yep. this up. Um, but it is, it is based on what they've done in the past and it's based on what we've observed. So I guess it's fair to say, Philip, that based on your observation, it appears as though, uh, the weekend was a late addition. Um, but they did everything they could to incorporate it into the existing pumpkin Lord yeah. mythology of the event. And I would say, you know what, again, it, I, I said this last year and I'm going to say it again, again, thinking earlier, I said this last year with Nightmare Fuel, I'm going to say it again. I will say it again for the event, you know, in, in a time where a lot of people are, you know, just a lot of parks are riding that demand wave and just kind of, you know, really just doing everything, get away with, um, I want to give kudos to the park for taking the extra step. They didn't need, you know, they didn't need to be like, oh, does this need, they didn't need to be like, ah, the weekend really needs to make sense as a nightmare. And maybe he's being inspired, like he's being terrified by the pumpkin Lord who is infecting his dreams, giving him nightmares. They didn't need to do that. Right. And same with nightmare fuel. They didn't need to make it, make a story. Like, honestly, you, you put like what basically is a burlesque show on fire with acrobats no one's going to complain that there's not a story (laughs) but so they add a story into it to make it fit like they don't have to do that they didn't have to again they didn't have to add twice as much fire this year all that is is increasing the expense it's not like they added twice the seats to it they just added 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 you know for really just no discernible monetary reason that i can find and i will tell you the crowds i have never seen a crowd like people were standing ovation at this show, every show. And I was like, That's what? It. They increased it for marketing so that the word of mouth marketing skyrockets. Um, because again, I'm not sure whether they were as confident that it was going to sell out as uh, as we think they might have been. Um, clearly, they weren't necessarily prepared for it either. So uh, yeah. uh, my guess is that the whole purpose in doing that, you're right. It's not going to, it's going to cost more money, not necessarily going to generate more money, except it is going to generate more buzz. It's going to generate more word of mouth and get more people to come out and experience the event. So, and and again, since they're starting earlier, they got a lot more tickets to sell. So last, they need to find ways to do that. And we're at the very end. Last thing I want to say for those, because this is another trend too, we've been talking about a lot. They did plus, plus, plus their food and beverage and not just in the amount of offerings and in how themed the offerings are. Everything is, is very well themed, but they also added facades to every little kiosk for food and lit the facades, like put thematic spooky lighting and made everything spooky. There's even a meat locker, uh, like like walkthrough shop experience for food now where you can go in and get meat that is like wrapped like meat, but they're Rice Krispie treats, right? But you can get like raw meat and eat the raw meat for photo ops. So and then, of course, the tribute store, they plus, plus, plus the tribute store even more. It has photo ops in it this time, which I feel like for a throughput capacity is a questionable decision. But uh, because there's a line now, of course, you know, there's sometimes the, the tribute store is as long as the mazes that it's next to, you know, like 40 minute wait yesterday to get into just the, the store. So, but our listeners, 
take, take, like, take, take these, like, look at these examples. These are great examples, you know, of, of things you can do to, to sell more to, because that's, that's really, you know, just people are buying stuff like crazy. So that's important. So. And based on Wizarding World, they don't care about cues going into, uh, <laughs> going into gift shops. It, you know, yeah. people waited two hours to buy a wand, you know, <laughs> it, there you go. Mm-hmm. So, and the thing is, if there's a line, that means that people are willing to wait for it. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, but kind of going back to our, our theme here, that just means you got to get into the line earlier. So ironically enough, here we are two years into this show and we do a show, uh, all about earlier and we actually run long. So there you go. Anyway, that is the end of this week's green tag theme park in 32, um, on behalf of Philip Hernandez and myself, Scott Swenson, thank you so much for listening. And here's to another two, four, six, eight years. Okay. We'll see you next week. Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope and original music composed by Chris Thomas. We're counting down to Halloween with daily podcasts, videos, and events in our 61-day Hauntathon. Follow along at the link in our show notes. Our Hauntathon is made possible through generous support from Gantam Lighting and Controls. Gantam illuminates attractions worldwide with the world's smallest intelligent spotlights. See what you're missing with a free demo Sign up at gantum.com slash demo. That's gantum.com slash demo. Our Hauntathon team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Louise Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Omni Adventures. Our partners for this year's Hauntathon include Sharp Productions, HorrorBuzz.com, ScareTrack, TheScareFactor.com, and Hauntopic Radio. The best way you can support us this Halloween season is by sharing our Hauntathon with someone you think will enjoy it. And to follow along to our Hauntathon, sign up for our weekly newsletter at hauntedattractionnetwork.com. We'll catch you back here tomorrow and every day until Halloween. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production. <laughs>